You're listening to the Get Your Gut Together with Dr. Ariola podcast, and I'm your host, Dr. Carolina Ariola. I'm a licensed naturopathic doctor with a telemedicine practice who specializes in all things gut health. I created this podcast to provide listeners like you with the information needed to understand how the gut works, how it affects nearly every aspect of your health, and of course, to give you the basics on how you can start improving your gut health today. I'm committed to empowering my listeners and providing you all with the information and the tools you may need to advocate for yourselves, get your gut together, and achieve optimal health. Now let's get the show started. The information provided on this show is not medical advice and is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant to diagnose or treat any disease or condition. Please consult your healthcare provider before incorporating any of the information provided into your personal care. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Get You Got Together with Dr. Ariola podcast. Today, I want to talk about a common digestive issue that many of us have experienced at some point in our lives, and that's heartburn. Heartburn is actually quite prevalent in the general population. In fact, it's estimated that up to 60% of adults experience heartburn at least once a year, and 20% experience it weekly. And while occasional heartburn is usually nothing to worry about, chronic heartburn can be a sign of a more serious condition, such as gastroesophageal reflux disease, also known as GERD. That's why it's important to understand the causes of heartburn and learn how to manage it effectively. In today's show, we are going to talk about what heartburn is, what causes heartburn, the most popular medications prescribed to treat heartburn, and of course, last but not least, what you can do about it. So let's get right into it. Heartburn is a term used to describe the burning sensation in the chest that's caused by acid reflux. And in case you were wondering, it has nothing to do with your heart. Acid reflux is when the acid in your stomach backs up into your esophagus, which is the throat, and causes irritation and inflammation, which leads to that really uncomfortable burning feeling. Now, like I've done in previous episodes, I want to give you a brief overview of some digestive anatomy to help you understand the role this plays in heartburn. Picture your digestive system like a long winding tube that runs from your mouth all the way down to your bottom. The first part of the system is your esophagus, and it's essentially just a muscular tube that connects your mouth to your stomach. So when you swallow food, your esophagus contracts and it pushes the food down into your stomach, and this alerts the LES to open, or that lower esophageal sphincter. The lower esophageal sphincter is a circular muscular ring at the opening of the stomach, and we call it the LES for short. The LES, like I mentioned, is what has to open up to let any food or drink into the stomach, and it needs to close back up to keep the stomach acid out of the throat. Now, under normal circumstances, that's exactly what the LES does. However, sometimes this muscle can weaken or relax or even be damaged, not allowing it to close properly or at the right time. This then allows stomach acid food, or both to flow back up into the throat. And when this happens, the acid irritates the lining of the throat, causing that burning sensation that we call heartburn. Now, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, occasional heartburn is quite common and affects about 60% of adults. In the majority of cases, it can be quite harmless. 
if the occurrences are far and few between. But when a person begins to experience heartburn more than one to two times a week for several weeks, then they may actually have developed GERD, which stands for gastroesophageal reflux disease, more commonly known as chronic acid reflux. This is a more serious medical condition than just occasional heartburn, because essentially what's happening is that the tissue lining of the throat is getting battered regularly with highly erosive stomach acid, which causes long-term inflammation and damage. And over time, if this is not addressed and it's left untreated, then it could possibly lead to even more serious health conditions, such as Barrett's esophagus, esophageal strictures, and esophageal cancer. Now, I know that that was a mouthful, so I'll talk briefly about each of these just so you know what the risk is. Barrett's esophagus is when there has been so much damage to the throat that it has changed the type of cells that are lining the throat into the type of cells that actually line the stomach and the intestine. Now, I know this may not seem like that big of a deal, but it is considered to be a precancerous condition, meaning if it escalates, it could possibly lead to a form of esophageal cancer. Now, it is worth mentioning that most people who do develop Barrett's esophagus do have a predisposition, and not every single person with untreated GERD or chronic acid reflux will develop this. Next, we have esophageal strictures. Strictures are what we refer to when the esophagus has undergone so much damage that scarring forms, making the esophagus really narrow and tight. This can make it difficult to swallow food or even liquids, and you may feel like food or drink is getting stuck in your chest. Overall, a condition like this can greatly impact your quality of life. Lastly, in really severe and rare cases, you can develop esophageal cancer if chronic GERD goes left untreated. Esophageal cancer is a form of cancer that develops in the throat and can be caused by untreated chronic acid reflux or GERD. But it's important to note that not everyone with GERD will develop esophageal cancer. It does, however, give you an increased risk. So as you can see, leaving chronic heartburn untreated is not a good option as it increases your risk for developing any of these more serious conditions. Now, I want to shift gears a bit and discuss what causes heartburn in the first place and how we can prevent it. Now, there is one major overarching cause of chronic heartburn, and that is dysfunction of the LES, which again is that sphincter that controls the opening between the esophagus and the stomach. Dysfunction of the LES means that the sphincter is opening at times when it shouldn't. And as I mentioned earlier, it really should only open to allow food and liquid into the stomach when eating or drinking. If it opens at any other time, this can cause acid reflux and heartburn. But what would cause it to open? Well, I won't have enough time to cover every possible cause of this or heartburn overall, but I will be sure to touch on the most common. The first category is any factors that affect the pressure around that sphincter. So this includes things like eating and then lying down, which is going to increase the abdominal pressure causing the LES to open. Also, having excess weight in the abdominal area, like when a person is pregnant, 
again, is pushing around surrounding structures and increasing the pressure in this area. Even things like drinking carbonated drinks can make the LES open by causing the stomach to expand and increasing that intra-abdominal pressure. And then, of course, you have anatomical changes like having a hiatal hernia. This doesn't necessarily affect pressure, but it can make it difficult for the LES to close properly. The next category of things that can cause the LES to open when it shouldn't are factors that change the chemistry surrounding the sphincter. And number one in this category is food. So what foods can cause heartburn and why? Certain foods and drinks can cause heartburn for a variety of reasons. One of them being because some foods contain a muscle relaxing chemical called methylxanthine. Foods like coffee, chocolate, peppermint all contain this chemical. So when you consume them, it relaxes the LES and can allow food and acid to splash up into the throat, making them triggers for heartburn. Then you have acidic foods and drinks like citrus and tomatoes. They don't contain the muscle relaxing chemical, but they can irritate the throat tissue, which triggers a reflex that causes the LES to open. Then you have hidden food sensitivities, which will vary from person to person. But when someone has a food sensitivity they are unaware of and they continue to consume that food, then they can increase inflammation, which can cause the LES to, again, open up. This is actually something I see very commonly in my practice. And identifying these foods can really help people get to the root cause of their heartburn and get rid of it once and for all. Next on the list, we have low stomach acid as a cause of heartburn. Now, it might seem counterintuitive since most people think having too much stomach acid is the problem, but having low stomach acid can actually be a cause of chronic heartburn. You see, stomach acid plays a really important role in the digestive process. It helps to break down food, it neutralizes harmful bacteria, and triggers the release of digestive enzymes. So when there is not enough stomach acid present, food may not be properly digested, which can lead to fermentation in the stomach. This fermentation can cause gas and pressure to build up, which can then push stomach contents, including stomach acid, up into the esophagus. Additionally, not having enough stomach acid can affect the signals to the LES, causing it to open and close when it shouldn't, leading to heartburn. Now, what's the most common cause of low stomach acid? Prolonged use of acid-reducing medications. Next, you have smoking or vaping. Nicotine, a chemical found in tobacco, can cause the LES to relax and open when it shouldn't. Also, it can reduce blood flow to the LES, further weakening its function. Similarly, alcohol also affects the LES in this way, which can make it a trigger for heartburn episodes. Last but not least, we have medications. Certain medications like calcium channel blockers, nitrates, and some sedatives can all cause the LES to relax and open when it shouldn't, leading to heartburn. Now, this was by no means an exhaustive list of possible causes of heartburn, but I did make sure to cover the most common. Since we now know the causes, let's talk about how heartburn is treated, both conventionally and naturally. 
If you go to the doctor for heartburn, you will usually be given a medication to help with these symptoms. The most common medications used to treat heartburn include three different classes. So we have your antacids, your proton pump inhibitors, also known as PPIs, and your H2 blockers. Antacids are available over the counter and come in a variety of forms, including capsules, liquids, and chewable tablets. Some common brands of antacids include Tums, Rolaids, and Alka-Seltzer. Antacids work by neutralizing the acid in the stomach with alkaline ingredients, which help to quickly relieve symptoms of heartburn, providing relief in as little as five minutes. Now, these are generally safe, but in some, they can cause some side effects such as stomach cramps, diarrhea, or constipation. And if used long-term, they may even lead to more complex issues such as kidney stones. Next, we have PPIs or proton pump inhibitors. PPIs are a type of medication that work by blocking the production of acid in the stomach. Some common PPIs include omeprazole, also known as Prilosec, esomeprazole, also known as Nexium, and Prevacid. By reducing the amount of acid in the stomach, PPIs can help relieve symptoms of heartburn and prevent damage to the esophagus caused by acid reflux. And lastly, we have H2 blockers. These medications work by blocking a chemical called histamine that triggers the production of acid in the stomach. Common H2 blockers include Zantac and Pepsid. They are less potent than PPIs, but they work similarly. You may not know this, but none of these medications are meant to be taken long-term. In fact, they're only recommended to be used for about four to eight weeks max to avoid any serious long-term effects. And just to clarify, these medications can be very useful in certain situations for short-term symptom relief, but they are not a cure, nor will they ever be considered one. Unfortunately, it has become normal practice for many doctors to recommend acid-reducing medications once and then forget about it, having patients continue taking this medication for many, many years, when these medications were only ever intended for short-term use. Why is this a problem? Because your stomach produces stomach acid for a variety of reasons, such as to help you break down and digest food, to create an inhospitable environment for pathogens like bacteria or viruses, and to discourage the overgrowth of good bacteria, and lastly, to ensure proper absorption of nutrients. Because we need stomach acid for all these very important reasons, then suppressing it for an extended period of time is only going to cause more problems than it's solving. Now, because so many people that I see in my practice come to me after being on these medications for years and years, I want to take a moment to discuss the side effects that come along with them. Regular use of acid-reducing medications includes indigestion, increased risk for infection, imbalance of the gut microbiome, and nutrient deficiencies. Not to mention the more dangerous effects that come from taking a PPI long-term, such as an increased risk for bone fractures, kidney disease, anemia, and liver problems. Now, if you are currently taking an acid-reducing medication, or maybe you have been for a while, please understand that this information is not meant to scare you or shame you. 
I just want to ensure that you are well informed so you can make a decision that works best for you. If you have tried getting off of your medication in the past and have been unsuccessful, don't feel bad. You are not alone. Stopping acid-reducing medication can be very hard, and it gets harder the longer you've been on it. This is because if you stop suddenly during the withdrawal period, your body produces a rebound effect, resulting in even more acid production than you had to begin with. This can be very uncomfortable and will often lead to people to resume taking the medication. However, with the correct guidance and monitoring, it is definitely possible to safely and effectively taper off of these medications. The goal is to get to the root cause of your heartburn and reflux and heal it once and for all. It takes a lot more work than taking a pill every day, but I promise it is far more worth it. And alas, we have made it to the part of the podcast that I'm sure you have all been waiting for. What are some natural treatment options for heartburn? First things first, I will say identifying food sensitivities and removing them from the diet. I personally am not a huge fan of food sensitivity testing, as I have found them to be quite inaccurate in the past. But if you've preferred to go that route, be my guess. I like to go the old school route and do traditional elimination and reintroduction diet of common food sensitivities. Basically, what I do is I have my patient eliminate these food groups for 30 days and then slowly reintroduce them in one at a time to determine the effects of each food group in their body. This process has been wildly successful for my patients, and they are able to once and for all determine their triggers while simultaneously providing the body with a little bit of a break from certain triggering foods. This is really helping us take a root cause approach so we can identify the perpetrator and remove it once and for all. Another option to help reduce heartburn is to avoid foods that can cause the LES to relax and open when it shouldn't. I went over these earlier, but this includes foods like chocolate, peppermint, citrus, spicy, and fried foods. Now, you don't have to cut these foods out forever, but for a short while while you provide your body with nutrients to help heal the lining of the throat, which we'll get into next. One of my favorite go-tos for soothing inflammation in the throat is aloe vera. Aloe vera contains vitamin C, vitamin E, and zinc in addition to polysaccharides that have been shown to stimulate fibroblasts and connective tissue formation. Now, before I lose you, fibroblasts are the most common type of cell found in connective tissue. They secrete collagen proteins that are used to maintain a structural framework for many tissues, and they play an important role in healing wounds. My biggest tip is to use aloe vera juice that comes from the inner leaf rather than the whole leaf. This is because whole leaf aloe vera contains latex, which can stimulate the bowels and sometimes cause diarrhea. Next on my list of healing nutrients is slippery elm. Slippery elm is an herb that has been used for centuries in traditional medicine to treat a variety of ailments, including digestive issues. It is particularly helpful for heartburn due to its soothing properties. When consumed, slippery elm creates a gel-like substance that can help soothe and heal the lining of the digestive tract. This gel acts as a barrier between the acidic stomach contents and the delicate tissues of the esophagus, reducing irritation and inflammation. 
In addition to its protective qualities, slippery elm is also believed to have anti-inflammatory and antioxidant properties. It may help to reduce inflammation in the digestive tract and protect against oxidative stress, which can contribute to a range of health issues. Next, we have DGL. DGL is a form of licorice, and it's an herbal supplement that is commonly used to treat a variety of digestive issues, including heartburn and acid reflux. It is derived from the licorice root, which has been used in traditional medicine, again, for centuries due to its many health benefits. One of the key benefits of DGL for heartburn is its ability to increase mucus production, which helps to protect the lining of the throat and the stomach, which are usually inflamed in people that have chronic heartburn. This protective effect can help to reduce inflammation and irritation and help alleviate symptoms of heartburn. Now, some people have concerns about taking licorice due to the effects it can have on a person's blood pressure, but please be aware that DGL is different. Licorice root contains a compound called glycyrrhizin, which can have side effects when taken in high doses over a long period of time. But DGL is made by removing the glycyrrhizin from the licorice root, which allows it to be used safely in higher doses and for a longer period of time. Lastly, we have melatonin. Yep, melatonin. The little tablet that you probably know more for helping you sleep can also be helpful for chronic heartburn. Studies have actually shown that melatonin has the ability to help improve the function of that lower esophageal sphincter, or the LES, which again can prevent stomach acid from flowing back up into the esophagus. Now, we don't know exactly how or why, but my guess would be that it has to do with the powerful antioxidant properties of this hormone. Now, as a reminder, all of these options can be tools in helping you manage your heartburn, but none of them on their own are considered to be a cure. Getting rid of the heartburn happens when you identify what is causing the heartburn for you in the first place. Now, this may take some trial and error, and working with a naturopathic doctor can really help, but I promise you that the results are worth it in the end. As a summary, in today's episode, we talked about everything there is to know about heartburn. We talked about what heartburn is, what causes it, the most popular medications prescribed to treat heartburn, and of course, some natural solutions that I commonly use with my patients. I hope that you found this episode helpful. And if you have any questions or comments for me, I would love to hear from you. That brings us to the end of our show today. So thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope you'll join me for the next one. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Get Your Gut Together with Dr. Ariola podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review wherever you listen. If you or someone you know is interested in working with me one-to-one to to get to the bottom of your gut health issues once and for all, find the link in my show notes to book a free 15-minute discovery call to see if we would be a good fit. And to catch all the latest from me, you can find me on TikTok at dr.ariola and on Instagram at ariola underscore naturopathic. Thanks again for listening and I'll see you next time.